0: Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast, hosted by Renita Ray Davis, licensed
1: clinical social worker, board approved social work clinical supervisor, and facilitator of the Goddesses of Social Work supervision community. Join us as we travel through the social work journeys told by the Goddesses of Social Work community members, past and present, as they make their way to our clinical licensure.
0: Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. In today's episode, Sunia Powell, LMSW has graced us with her presence. Sunia Powell LMSW is a native of Greenville, Alabama, the youngest of nine children and a mother. Sania's self-care activities include traveling, reading, shopping, and spending time with family and friends. As a first-generation college student, Sunia attended the University of Alabama Roll Tide, where she obtained both her bachelor's and master's degrees in social work, Sania began her social work career in 2017 as a case manager at a mental health center in Tuscaloosa and continued thereafter in the mental health field. Throughout her career as a social worker, Sania has worked in hospice care, community outreach and advocacy, and as a school based social worker. Sania currently works as a care coordinator for Blue Cross Blue Shield. Her ultimate goal as a social worker is to become a full time professor. Sania is currently in the process of obtaining her clinical license and cannot wait to see where her journey as a social worker will take her. Welcome, Sania. I'm super excited to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you, Renita. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm glad that you asked me to be a part of your podcast. I'm really excited.
0: I'm glad you said yes. Sania, I I love your drive. Reading your bio I was thinking I am the oldest sibling in my family and do not have the youngest sibling in the family perspective but I am imagining that you could either feel complacent because you have older siblings that may look out for you or like it appears to be in your case you could feel highly motivated to be the best you can be what has been your experience being the youngest of nine
1: um, I honestly feel like it's a little bit of both. Um, with complacency, I feel like, you know, me, my oldest sister being 20 years older than me and my older brother being like 25 years older than me, I almost feel like they should be like my parents or something. And even, you know, with their children, they're w- within my age range. So they're typically looked at as my siblings. So I just like, you know, it's an odd place to be. But um, I, I love it. I mean, my siblings, they treat me like their own. They um, try to act motherly and fatherly trying to tell me what to do. But, you know, at the end of the day, I know they have my best interest in heart and it's kind of, you know, grown on me. And like, I, I don't even worry about it now. If They tell me, hey, don't do this. Don't do that. I just know that they can see a little bit further and have a little bit more experience than I do and can tell me some things that can steer me in the right direction. And in regards to being the best that I can be, um, I think a lot, well, I know a lot of times they look at me as like the brains, Um, anything techie or um, even down to writing a resume, they are always ringing my line. Can you do this for me? And I, you know, of course I always say yes, but, you know, they always look up to me, you know, to do those little things for them because they're older and not that they don't know how to do those things. It's just, you know, I feel like it's easier to ask me, so...
0: I recently read a meme about learning new technology. The older you get, and it's like uh, I don't want to learn how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? My younger brother—he's the one who actually taught me how to edit this podcast. So mm-hmm. I appreciate our yeah, yo- yeah, I appreciate our younger siblings. I really do. Mm-hmm. Does, is That's it a lot of pressure, Sania? Because if you have multiple parents, <laughs> I'm wondering, <laughs> <laughs> right? I wonder, right. does it feel like a lot of pressure to, you know, be, you know, like you said, be the best you can be?
1: Um, It is. It has been a lot of pressure Um, just because, you know, I'm always seen as this, the good girl complex. And I try to live up to that, try to walk on a straight and narrow line. Not that I would go out and do something bizarre, but just trying to, you know, say yes or no or something that they may want me to do or just try not to do make it make a big fuss about something but um very recently I've been going to therapy and that's one of the things that I've been talking to my therapist about is you know how to not set up you know live up to this house standard and acknowledging that I'm a human and that I can make mistakes and just you know if I can't do something, say no, and if I can't say yes, just knowing that you know it's up to me to agree to do something and not overload myself.
0: Such a great answer, and I love their break up that stigma that you know social workers can't have therapists too, and Black women can't Absolutely. go to therapy, right? So uh-huh. I love that you are so transparent with that, Sydney. I am so excited about learning about your social work journey. You want to go ahead and start?
1: I can. Um, originally, I did not um, want to do social work. I just kind of fell into it. Um, you know, after having a conversation with one of my advisors, um, when I first attended college, my major was biology. Um, I was going to be a geri- um, geriatric physician. That was my ultimate goal. And um, I was taking classes, I think I got up to my junior, not my junior, I'm sorry, my sophomore year, and I was starting to struggle a little bit, but it was manageable. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't feel like it was fulfilling. Um, I wasn't happy with the um, classes I was taking, and I started doing some um, volunteer work and just doing, you know, going out and seeing what my day-to-day would be or could be. I didn't feel like it was fulfilling to me. I wasn't happy doing that. So I just had a conversation with my, um, one of my advisors and she actually mentioned social work. And I mean, I knew what social work was, but hearing all the stigmas about, you know, you don't make a lot of money. It's not a career that, you know, will be lucrative for you or something that you'll be happy with. I just kind of like, Oh, I don't know if this is for me. So she just said, well, just take an introductory course and, you know, come back and talk to me. So lo and behold, I did take the class and I absolutely loved it. Um, I had a really great teacher who um, just kind of opened up and just shared so many different avenues that we could take as social workers and helped me to realize that it's not about the money and that, you know, if you're happy doing the work, doing social work and you, you find something that you that's a good fit for you you won't worry about it anyway so I just decided to pursue social work and here I
0: am today awesome do you worry about the money
1: (laughs) no I don't I actually don't um I will say you know um with my experience and work you know obtaining my license I'm comfortable like it's that's not a worry of mine so and I love
0: it here. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, it, you know, because I think that's my, one of my platforms is that I want to break up that particular narrative that mm-hmm. social workers don't make any money. I'm not saying that we're billionaires. Right. But absolutely. we can be. I think we can, we be. can be. But we absolutely. are homeowners and car owners and, and doing business pretty owners, well for right. business owners. Absolutely. And, and I love the flexibility
1: well. as well.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things I found interesting in your story, just reading your bio, is your first generation college student, you got your undergraduate degree, and somehow you knew to go ahead and get your graduate degree. I know for me, again, I'm the oldest of mine. When I told my mother I was going straight back because I got my BSW and went straight into my MSW program, she was like, why are you doing that? And so I'm curious as to like, did you have any pushback going straight into your master's program?
1: Um, I actually, well, I will say, um, when I first applied, I actually applied twice my first time applying, I didn't get accepted into the, the, um, advanced sending program. You know, I was kind of, you know, a little upset at the moment, but I was just like, well, maybe the time isn't right. So I was working full time in retail. So I just continued to do that. Um, and the next, um, admission cycle I applied and, um, you know, make sure I had over all my um, references, a good um, essay written, and I was able, you know, to be admitted to the program. So, um, you know, it was a little pushback with me not being admitted, because I was like, maybe, you know, social work isn't for me after all. But after just waiting that little period and not giving up, um, I was able to, you know, to try again, and I was accepted.
0: I love that you didn't give up, and I did not know that part of your story. Mm -hmm. I love that you didn't give up, but now, knowing that part of your story, I'm curious, how or why did you know the importance of getting your master's and not stopping?
1: Um, I think that came back, well, I know that came from, you know, taking the social work classes as a um, bachelor's level, you know, they, you know, of course, they always told us about the different, um, career paths and different jobs that we can hold and just knowing that sometimes having the, um, you know, a graduate degree is required to be able to do, um, you know, advanced practice. And um, what me wanting to become a social work professor in the long run, I know that a terminal degree or a higher level of degree is required
0: to achieve that goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now you have your graduate degree in social work. What were your next steps in your journey?
1: Um, right now, I'm working towards my clinical licensure, because um, I know that's important as well to have under my belt. And um, I've also been um, thinking about going back to school um, for an, another degree. So I have just started doing my research. Um, I'm in the initial stages of it, so I haven't made a decision on it. But I do know, um, you know, with having supervision with you, that A um, terminal degree is not required, but I mean, it's, it looks good on your resume and um, you can do a little bit more, but like I said, I'm in the initial stages um, of thinking about going back to school to um, obtain that degree.
0: Awesome. I love that you are, you know, you're so brilliant in my opinion, and I've been telling everybody, I feels like ever ever since she's come on the show, every episode since I've been telling everybody, listen to Dr. R's from pizza to PhD episode because she kind of talks a lot about that journey and and how rewarding that is as well to get your phd hopefully it's in social work with your bsw msw i would love to see you, dr Sania powell with your phd or your dsw and social work um but i want to encourage you to listen to that episode and everybody out there who's considering it uh, she did a really good job explaining that that journey Sadia, we jumped from where you're going, but talk to me a little bit about the middle part of your social journey. So after graduating with your master's, what did you go ahead and get your license right away? Did you work for a little bit? What was the journey after graduation?
1: Okay. Um, After graduation, um, I actually continued to work in retail. Um, I actually worked like another year after um, graduating, and that just wasn't, you know, I think it's partly by choice and partly by force. But um, ultimately, I was kind of forced out of that job. And, you know, I was—I said to myself, well, it's, it's really its now it's time to utilize my degree. So I started applying for different jobs. Um, a lot of them I didn't get because I wasn't licensed at the time. But um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and she said, well, try mental health, you know, they're always needing people to um to work in that field so um at our local um community mental health center I applied in Tuscaloosa as a case manager so um I started working there absolutely love that job um I feel I think my love for mental health started there um I love my supervisor I love the population that I work with and I feel like that was a really really good starting place for me in my social work career but um I didn't work there long. I ended up having to relocate um, to another city. And there I um, continued on with my mental health, um, career in mental health, and just gained more experience there. And um, I was there about a year and a half, ended up relocating back home because I had some family issues to come up. So that kind of put me at a little standstill. I ended up getting pregnant and I um, did hospice for a little while. And I wasn't licensed then, but it wasn't until I started working at hospice that I started to try to pursue licensure. And I'll be honest, my first first time I took the test, I went in, um, I didn't study, I just went in on a whim just to see what I could do. And I actually failed the exam by two points. And I think that came because... I just took the test. I went through it, and then I went back and second-guessed myself. So um, I was kind of, you know, disgruntled about that, but I didn't give up. Um, I waited a little while. I took the test um, two more times. I didn't pass it two more times, but I didn't stop there. I said, "Well, this time I'm just gonna, um, you know, give myself a break." I think I took about six months before I tested again that, for the fourth time. And that last time I truly um, buckled down, I got a um, study plan together. I studied religiously every night for about three months. And I scheduled my test. I went in and I broke down the test into four different quarters. Um, A friend of mine was telling me about the method of breaking the test down into different um, number of questions. So I did that. And I also wrote my name in LMSW. So I had that vision to look at, you know, while I was taking my test to kind of motivate me. And on my fourth try, I was able to pass my test. And I ended up still working in the school system as a school social worker. And thereafter, I started working with Blue Cross Blue Shield as a care coordinator. And this is where I am now.
0: I love that. I'm so glad we went back to the middle. Yeah, (laughs) There's (laughs) (laughs) there's a couple of things in that one we talked about you not giving up when you didn't get into graduate school the first time. I, you know, I would, if I had graduated with my undergraduate from Alabama, I would have just made the assumption, I think too, that, oh, I'm a shoe in to yeah. get into the master's program. So I love that you didn't give up. So that was the first time I heard you didn't give up. And then after I, if I had took, taken the test and only failed it by two points, I would have just knew the second time that I took it, especially if I put a little bit of effort in, I would have passed it. But to hear that it took you four times, I I I so appreciate you telling us this part of the story because what we know to be true is, you know, the ASWB, they just came out with their, their numbers. I keep saying this year, but it was actually last year. And, you know, what basically the summary of that is, Black and brown women, um, or folk, I should say, older people and people whose language uh, first language isn't English, really struggle to pass the test. You know, and there's right. a lot of work being done on a policy level and some other areas to 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 write that. But right. for the for right now, while it's still what it is, right, I think it is so important for people who have tried to take this test time and time and time again, to know that they can do it, right? And I guess I'm curious from you, Sania, four times, Mm -hmm. what was it in you that said, I'm going to do this thing?
1: I just realized, you know, I knew where I was at, and I knew where I wanted to go. So that kind of helped me you know, gain some tunnel vision. And it wasn't that I didn't know the material. It's just, I was one of those people that would go through the entire test and I would second guess myself. Like I didn't trust myself. So I had to get to a point where, you know, I'm going to bet on me this time. And I think that's what I got in my, well, I know that's what I got in my mind on that fourth try. And another thing, I got tired of paying all that money. So I had to do something a little bit different, but It came with me, you know, just trusting myself and knowing that, you know, this is what I need and this is what I have to do. So that last time I took the test, I didn't second guess myself and I actually passed it with flying colors. So just knowing, you know, that and just, you know, reflecting on that, like, how many times, you know, in my in previous situations that I didn't bet on myself and I would have been, you know, in a different predicament. You know what I mean? So I think that was a, you know, game changer for me, just trusting my, myself.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And also I heard you say, you wrote your name down in your letters behind your name. And you know, I am always one who talks about Habakkuk two and two, write the vision down and make it plain. Right. And (laughs) so when you write it down and you can see it and you know that this is what's going to happen when I walk out of this room that confidence. And like you said, betting on yourself and trusting that you knew this material. You have both your bachelor's (laughs) and graduate degree from the University of Alabama. That is the top, that was the only school of social work for over two decades. It is a top (laughs) tier program. And so, yes, ma'am, you knew the material. So I love that you knew that you had to write the vision down, and then you knew you had to just trust yourself. Where, Sania, do you see that now in your social work career? Like, do you see opportunities? And I don't know how you're going to answer, and hopefully it makes sense. But do you see where just trusting your gut, trusting yourself, knowing that you know this thing has helped you be the amazing social worker that you are?
1: Yes, um, I think just having that mindset, that mindset now, um has helped me to not be stagnant. Um, In my previous job, I feel like I was stagnated. Like I was just there and, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling. And for some reason I couldn't get out of, I couldn't get over that hurdle. And, but I know that I'm a good social worker. I know that, you know, I know what I'm capable of, but I was just, for some reason I couldn't get out of that, that hump. But I was reminded, um, you know, about a friend of mine that knew that situation about me, um, my journey of taking the test and not being able to pass it. And she was like, you know that you can do much better than that. Like, you have so much, you know, so much knowledge and expertise that you need to get out and share it out with people. And I just think having those um, social work friends in my corner to kind of push me and just remind me of that helped me
0: you're doing that for us now. You're sharing your wisdom. You're inspiring a bunch of, I I mean, I don't ever, ever have to take the LMSW exam ever yet, <laughs> but I am sitting here just so inspired by you and your story. And you're absolutely doing that for us right now. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast, just because I I didn't, I've known you for a couple of years now, and I did not know so many pieces of your story. And now even myself feeling inspired, I know that you're inspiring other people who are listening to this as well. So I'm so glad, you know, I'm going to share a little bit. We talked, you know, about a year ago, and even just a little bit ago about you being, you know, afraid of public speaking. And here you are doing such a good job. And inspiring so many of us. So thank you for saying yes to this. Sania. who were or who, you know, who were or is your favorite social work instructor and or social work mentor? And what have they taught you?
1: Um, I'll have to go with Dr. Cassandra Simon at the University of Alabama. She was my favorite um, social work professor. Um, it's just my first class with her in the upper level um courses I just fell in love with her spirit her um she was always so intentional with everything every lesson every class she was just so intentional so authentic everything she shared out with us was just real life and we all make was able to make connections to it no matter if we were black brown or white like she was able to engage us the entire time. And I would have classes with her, the three hour classes that one o'clock to the 4.50 um, class block. And the entire time we learned so much, we were so engaged. And I just love her, you know, I love her life. <laughs> she was a great social working um, professor.
0: That's so awesome. That is so awesome. What did she teach you? <laughs>
1: I think she her biggest thing for me was to be authentic. Um, she always showed up as herself and not that I would come or, you know, even when I'm working with our my clients that I'm putting on this fake this fake person um, personnel. But she always taught me to be yourself. You know, don't try to be something or someone that you're not. And I, I took that from, you know, that lesson that she shared with us. And I just I carry that with me now
0: you absolutely do you absolutely do I love asking that question because I want those who went before us to receive their flowers because in social work we rarely do right and right. so if there is a mentor or instructor that made an impact in our lives I really want us to be able to shout them out so I'm so glad that she taught you to be your authentic self because I like when you show as your authentic self Sania, Absolutely. now, you know, knowing what you know now, and so oh my goodness, I'm so enjoying this conversation, <laughs> but knowing what you know now about the social work journey, and you could pack three things with you, what would three things that you would pack in your social work suitcase be?
1: I would pack in my social work um, suitcase, um, number one, be authentic, number two, network, and the last one is keep going. Don't stop. If, you know, when it gets hard, find a way to motivate yourself. Keep some people around you to motivate you. Always keep going.
0: Always keep going. You, are, you have taught us that. You didn't right. get into your graduate program the first time and you kept trying. You didn't get in, you didn't pass the test the first time and you kept going. I even am intrigued just going back just a little bit that you got pushed out of retail <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I love that part of your story that you kind of got pushed out and again it was because you were supposed to keep going exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly can you talk to us though a little bit i don't think i've had anyone on yet on the podcast talk about the for import- well maybe well maybe Gabrielle talk about the importance of networking you know you said networking and i agree with you why do you think it's important to pack networking in your suitcase
1: I think networking is important because it's always to have it's always good to have a friend in high places or even, you know, someone that you can call for a resource for um even yourself or even when you're working with your client and just having someone to know somebody that knows somebody that can put you in places that, you know, sometimes you're your education or your expertise or your knowledge won't put you in. So just having people in places that can vouch for you and just having somebody in your corner.
0: Completely agree with you. Completely agree. And I think, too, if we do the job of good networking, it will pay off for our clients. Right. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of, you know, throwing this out to social workers in the field, I know we have two one one here in Alabama or um, some other resources, but check in with those resources every now and again because there are organizations and agencies that do have high turnover. And make sure the person you talked to the last time is either still there and or who the new contact person is because sometimes we'll give our clients resources and the person we told them to talk to isn't even there anymore. Yeah, you know, maybe once a quarter or something, Mm -hmm. you know, checking in on what your resources are, if that's still a good number, good email. And I think when you also do that, that's just easy, free networking,
1: because then you're
0: like, oh, I'm checking in on you. And or, oh, you're the new person. Hi, I'm Renita. This is what I do, right? And so I think just making the investment in networking is so good for our clients. It really is. So I appreciate you said that. Sania, you talked about what you would take with you in your suitcase. What would you leave behind? You know, you got all this junk <laughs> that we've learned about social work. You know, it's like, you know what? I'm going to leave these three things behind. I don't need those anymore. What would they be?
1: Um, I think negativity I would leave behind. um, Being stagnant and just not betting on yourself um I know I keep bringing that up because I like I said you know it was a point where I didn't really bet on myself like I knew who I was and I knew who I was capable of but I just didn't have that you know self-awareness that I do now and um no I'll always leave those three items behind
0: you know I'm gonna ask you to expound right (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So your first one was negativity. What, Um, you know, are you talking about negativity about the profession? Negativity. Talk to me about what you mean, negativity.
1: um, Negativity about the profession. um, Because sometimes people can get in your head and just say, you really like doing that job. Like you really think you're making an impact and like that can kind of weigh on you sometimes. And especially when you're in a place that you don't feel like you're appreciated anyway. And then hearing that little chatter, you know, letting all that negativity go, like leaving that behind. That's one thing that, you know, I feel moving forward in any job or any other career path that I may go on, negativity is out the door.
0: You're going to listen to yourself and not external voices, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And what was that second thing we're leaving behind again? Complete. Yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up, right?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You got you know, I'm gonna ask you to expound. Why are we leaving stagnation behind?
1: And you know, this is just me personally. Um, I get to a point where I just want to be, you know, the job is easy. The place, you know, I don't have to learn anything new, which I love to learn. Don't get me wrong. But it's just that, you know, if I can go somewhere and do my the same thing and not have to, um, you know, do anything different, why not leave? Or if it, you know, I'm doing my same routine every single day and I'm getting, you know, the money's decent or, you know, my work family, it's okay, but you just stagnant because you don't want to to do more. So just leaving that behind and being able to use, you know, the knowledge and the experience that I have to, to expand.
0: I love that. I'm going to give a little analogy because, you know, I love my analogies. I have this plant. I call it my daddy plant. You know, when he died, we get a plant, you know, right. and I spent in the same pot in the same place for years and years and years it wasn't growing but and it, it wasn't dying it was just like we said complacent it was it was like oh i get enough water and i get enough light i'm perfect exactly mm-hmm. where i am i moved it this year to a new location and it has just, it's almost like all the roots that were underground that I never could see. Just was like, we've had this potential all these years and we just been waiting to move to a new location. And the thing has taken over my house. <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> yes. And so sometimes just kind of, it's not, we're, we're not asking people to like, you know, change your whole life. But just sometimes just moving to a new location, we get to stretch our our social work wings and realize we had all of this potential that we didn't even Mm -hmm. know existed just because we got a little bit out of our comfort zone, right? Exactly. I cannot wait to see you fly.
1: That's me. And that's kind of where I am now. um, As I know, you know, that. I was on a job for about, about four years and, you know, it's kind of hard for me to leave because I was like two minutes away from my house. It was in my hometown. It was flexible. It was easy, but as a social worker, I don't feel, I felt like I kind of outgrew that space. So it was time for me to move out. And since doing that, like I have, you know, I'm blooming, like I'm doing more. I'm used, you know, able to, um, I'm gaining more education, more knowledge and I'm utilizing the, um the skills that I have, whereas I wasn't, you know, at that job.
0: So. Exactly. I think- and I think, you know, we talk a lot about burnout in this field and burnout looks so different for, you know, it could be that you have cases that are too many because that is a thing here in the profession. Too many folks on your caseload or you know, supervisors who may not be as supportive as we would like for them to be. Just so many things. But burnout could also look like you've outgrown the place that you're in and it's time for Absolutely. you to move on. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so glad to hear that you have moved on. And I, and like I said, I cannot wait to see you fly. You're already doing that now. The fact that you agreed to come on this podcast, knowing <laughs> that you are introvert to me is you, you betting on yourself like you told us that you would take with us with you. Sunil, we're getting to our last question. I And again, like I said, I've so enjoyed this conversation with you. But, our, you know, a lot of social workers I know, like yourself, <laughs> are high achievers, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we have learned is to be flexible with our career due dates. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, you thought you were going straight into your master's program after graduating from the University of Alabama with your undergraduate degree. You thought after you took the test with, and only you know, did pass it with those two points. Next time it's just going to be a breeze. And so you've kind of taught us, you got to have to be a little flexible with your career due dates. What advice can you give our audience about being patient on your social work journey?
1: I think the biggest um, piece of advice is, you know, again, it's just don't give up. If you try one thing, it doesn't work. Try something different. Don't Stick to your old patterns, you know, try a new avenue, try a new study. Um, and if you're struggling with taking, you know, passing the exam, you know, research some different um study methods. Try flashcards, try, you know, um a study group. Just don't give up, just keep going.
0: Awesome, awesome advice. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Sunia, thank you so much for spending this time with me.
1: Thank and for too.
0: just inspiring and lighting up i've been smiling the whole time that <laughs> your your energy is just so light and beautiful and it's just so infectious and just thank you so much for coming on the show and getting me. out of your comfort zone
1: <laughs> you definitely pulled me out of my comfort zone but you know i appreciate it and i needed i needed this Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. We are glad you were here. If you liked this episode, please come back to hear more stories of the journeys through social work. And please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time here on the Goddesses of Social Work
0: podcast.